this is gonna sound crazy, I think, but I would say for the past year, I've been leaning into the complete opposite of everything that made me successful. We sat there for three hours asking ourselves, why are we making this? Like, we'll both have videos that have 40 or 50 million views by the end of the year. 200 million, 180 million. I haven't had a flop since having this mindset. I think that is like something I've never heard someone oh, say. I hope yeah. people watch this and they're like, wow, that makes so much sense. Do you credit your penny video for like putting you on the map as a creator? Is that the one where you're like, that's the series that people know me for? I think so. I think uh, I, I did a penny series in high school when I had 300 subscribers and mm -hmm. I tried to turn a penny into $1,000 instead of getting a job. So I was like, this is such a cool, interesting format. And I just kept doing it like every year, some iteration of it. And then next thing I know, the one from this past year just completely blew up and like went on trending and everything. Yeah. And it kind of saved my channel because I was just feeling lost creatively and feeling like, dang, what even is my identity on this platform? And I just made that penny series as like, there's no pressure here. I'm just going to film something that I've always known. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to have fun with it. And people really liked it. And I was like, oh, okay. I'm okay. It's okay for me to be not super produced. It's okay for me to just be myself, try to be funny and awkward mm -hmm. <laughs> and just got into a, a fun video. So. I think that's the beauty of your channel though, is like, it's very authentically you. Mm -hmm. Like the, like the Ryan that I see on the channel, and the Ryan <laughs> I know in real life are like the same people. Yeah. Right? You like don't put on a character. Right. It's like, you are that like kind of <laughs> socially awkward <laughs> yeah. person and per like in, the, it's just, it's so you. Yeah. And so yeah, let's, let's back up to that. When you started doing YouTube videos, did you have an identity that you already wanted your channel to kind of become or is it more of like I'm just gonna film videos and see what happens <laughs> yeah I definitely had no identity whatsoever even yeah. in real life I was like who am I like I, I grew up in a super small town 3,000 people I just visited it like two days ago actually for the first time in four years and it's only an hour and a half away from here so I just never mm -hmm. went back and I just drove through that town and I was like wow I came from here and I feel like that's just it really made me like realign with my past self and just like realize like how much has happened since then. But I remember being in there and just having like huge dreams, but have like no idea how it would come to fruition. Because when you grow up in a small town, it's like mm -hmm. how, I don't know how, but one day I want to be, you know, like a YouTuber. Like there's no way, but one day I can, I just want it to happen. And um, yeah, I feel like over time, I just like filmed videos very awkwardly. If you go watch those old videos, you think I'm awkward now? <laughs> Goodness I, trust gracious. Me, I've watched a few of them. <laughs> They're so bad. Um, but yeah, I just like went out there and the, I, like my, my personality kind of formed through creating, which is super, super interesting. Like, I really feel like the, the person I put on, out on the internet is the person I feel confident in, even mm. though it's not the most like cool or charismatic person. It's like, dang, yeah, that's like what I feel comfortable being in my own skin. And so, yeah, it's just like crazy to look back on how I sort of like formed my identity through creating in a way. <laughs> I went to um, my old junior high school, so like two days ago. That's why I went back. Mm -hmm. My One of my old teachers asked to to have me like give a speech to my junior high, which is so wholesome. I was like, uh, yes, I, I loved the teacher. She was like my old English teacher. And I was pretty nervous because I really didn't know how things had changed, but mm -hmm. they really didn't change much. And what did change, obviously, is like these kids, they grow up. And there's actually some kids I knew um, because it was like my friends, younger siblings and stuff, but all of them like want to be YouTubers and they're all in this like super small town where they don't know anyone. Mm -hmm. Like there's no one to like learn how to start filming, like even getting a camera is like, that's a big thing. You had to like work a summer job or something and go and get a camera. But, um, yeah, I gave this speech and like so many of them 
were like, who do you like know it's like to start YouTube and like who who helped you and everything? And there was literally like no one. Like I, I got to um three hundred thousand subscribers before I made my first YouTube friend. <laughs> because in this small town, like you can't just yeah. connect with people like you can in LA or something. But um yeah, I, I told all of them like you have an advantage being from this small town because sky's the limit. Like there's no dream too big. Like you're here yeah. in rural America. Like, just dream big and see what happens. Are you, like, the hometown celebrity right now? <laughs> I mean, I felt like it at that school, but honestly, they would have done that for, for any 23-year-old that came back <laughs> who was alumni. I, I think don't they're think just... so. 23-year-old with 6 million <laughs> subscribers on YouTube. I... That's unreal. It is crazy. Like, a lot of them said that they were subscribed to me, which I was like, that is so, that's so awesome. Mm-hmm. Like, honestly, I saw a lot of myself in, in these junior high kids because they're, like, running track and they're like, I want to be a YouTuber. And it was really cool to be able to, just, like, speak encouragement to them and be like, it's possible. Mm-hmm. Like, if, I, I don't feel like there's anything necessarily special about me that you don't have. So yeah. it was super cool and it was really it was really nice. I think you being there is probably good for them to see that it's actually possible. Mm-hmm. Like someone from the community left yeah. and actually became a successful YouTuber, content creator, and is yeah. now coming back and giving us advice. Sure. And then so you you go to Texas A and M, you run track yeah. for a year. Yep. You end up leaving. I think left. there were some NIL issues. They mm-hmm. probably wouldn't let you monetize your channel. Right. Was that was that even a decision or was like I enjoy track, but I've always wanted to be a content creator. Or is there a lot yeah. of thought put into that? Yeah, it's interesting because I, I did track because I part of me just wanting to dream big was like, oh, I want to win state in track. Like I, I just happened to be running in track because I wasn't good at football. And um, I was like, you know what? I'm doing this. I want to try to pursue excellence in this. That would mean winning state. And so I basically made that my goal. I spent like four years running every day mm-hmm. for like literally didn't miss a day for four years of running, like rain, bad weather, whatever. Um, and it just got progressively better. Ended up getting second place in state and cross country in the mile and the two miles. So second place runner up. So I was like, dang, I feel like that is some sort of fate of me like not actually achieving that. So like, I think there's something beautiful about, you know, setting your sights on what's the, what's the cheesy quote? Like, uh, shoot for the moon and you, you might hit the stars you land among what, the stars what was your mile time it was 415 in high school oh my gosh which is wild what? I know like small town too like I just worked really really hard and so a lot of my identity was in mm-hmm. running like oh I'm a runner this is like what I do but when I got to college what I realized is like I, the goal of I don't know breaking four in the mile or any other goal I could arbitrarily set wasn't real for me like winning state was super real in my heart like mm-hmm. I was like this is all this is it like I'm going to do this but when I got to college, I couldn't like locate that type of passion. And so running, I was just doing it out of discipline. And then, yeah, whenever like the NCAA was like, hey, you're not allowed to make money on that YouTube thing. And I had 20,000 subscribers. I was just paying rent, essentially. And rent was cheap in College Station. So for me, I was like, okay, well, I'm, I am passionate about YouTube. So I'm going to like just pursue that because I was doing the other stuff just essentially out of principle, like doing school, because I, I studied really hard in high school, valedictorian, and you know I worked really hard in running. So those two were just like on autopilot, but YouTube was my passion. So I was like, I'm going to stop running. I'm going to drop out of school. And everyone thought I was crazy. And I think I'm crazy for doing that with 20,000 subscribers, but it ended up working. So yeah, it's pretty wild to look back on, but the passion was there for sure. Yeah, I think most people, I mean, most people today still don't know how YouTubers make money, but I'd <laughs> yeah. imagine, you know, at least in my world in 2017, 2018, 
it was really hard to communicate to people about why they should be paying attention to YouTube <laughs> or why brands should be spending money on YouTube. Right. So I'd imagine you're like coach, mm-hmm. you're probably academic advisor, yep. <laughs> or like this isn't a real career. Yeah. You're like leaving your college education for something that we don't think would truly transpire right. into something like that you can make a living off of. I look back and at the time I was very upset that they were saying that, but then I look back and I realized they were just, they, they were empathetic. Like they, they mm-hmm. saw how hard I worked to get to school and like have a scholarship and the idea of throwing it away for a guy getting like 8,000 views a video on YouTube, like they just, they cared about me. And I think it's super important to believe in yourself in moments like that, because if you don't have a vision for you know, what you want to do with your life. Like I probably, I would have been swayed by them. Super reasonable to just Mm -hmm. get your degree and like go do great things in running like you, like you wanted to. Um, But yeah, like (laughs) I I literally was getting 8,000 views a video. That's pretty absurd. Like I would never tell someone I love to drop out of school, like with all these things they have going for them. Mm -hmm. But I just had like a chip on my shoulder. I was like from the small town. I was like, there's momentum with the channel. And I saw the vision and I was like, I'm going to do this. Because it was exciting. Mm-hmm. Like, I just want to do what sets my soul on fire. And for me, that was pursuing YouTube. So, Did you ever look back and be like, maybe I made the wrong decision? No, I, I, I think uh, things just, like, whenever I dropped out, I was able to really double down, triple down. Like, I started mm-hmm. uploading great videos three days a week. Like, my throttle was so high. I think, I don't know how you feel about this and how your school was, but high school and college, I look back as, like, my, my daily throttle of, like, things I was getting done and just like my speed of life was so high that whenever I eliminated those and I could just continue focusing on YouTube, it was like my production <laughs> was insane. Yeah. Like, did you feel like your, your level of stress in high school and college was super high compared to now? No, um, my level of stress. <laughs> was it my low? My level of stress in my current life is the highest it's ever been. No, really. And, and I played college football and like it was, you know, stressful. <laughs> you know, playing in front of thousands of people okay. on national television. And yeah. No, like <laughs> the amount of stress running a business um, it's is, is very hard. Like it's hard to start your own company. It is. It's also hard to find good people. It's like... Yeah. I, so, no, I mean, the stress I have now, I think the the interesting thing about my life pre this, like when I played football, is like my whole life was planned out. Whoa. From when I woke up at 6 a.m., you had yes. like weights and yeah. then you would go to class and then I'd go watch film and <laughs> practice. And so from 6 a.m. to 9 o'clock at night, it's all seven set. days a week, my whole life was set. Mm-hmm. And so when I stopped playing football, I was lost for like wow. two years. Mm-hmm. I was like, how do I... How do I like plan my life? What do I do with myself? Like I felt like I had so much time and that's when I started reading books and getting yeah. interested in the sports agency world and like actually learning about different culture. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the, the stress level now is like n- not even comparable. To, oh like, no. You know, and it's, I love what I do. Like yeah. stress just kind of comes with it. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, the it's it's been an adjustment for sure. Definitely. Yeah, that's interesting because I feel like my life is so easy now. <laughs> like, I feel the do opposite. You, do you not have stress about, like, I, most creators get this, like, stress of, yeah. is my is my channel dying? Why right. didn't my video get more views? Like, I'm yeah. guessing you, in the back of your head, you're asking yourself all those questions every time you upload. Yeah, I would say that used to be my thought process. But I would say for the past year, I've been leaning into the complete opposite of everything that made me successful. And I say that this is going to sound crazy, I think, but like I got successful with running and being valedictorian in my high school and getting a scholarship academically by essentially like not uh, allowing any anything but discipline 
work mm-hmm. ethic is number one. Um, I have to be successful. It's all pressure. It, honestly, it was it was all desperation. Like if I look back on, on a visual of like what I was in the past, it was like this guy flailing des- desperately to be successful, and it worked. I think if if any if if any person or animal desperately flails mm-hmm. to get its way, eventually I think it will. But it also will be exhausted, and it won't be. Um, in my opinion, achieving like its most optimal self. And so for the past year, like since I feel like I've just been blessed with like my channel having a revival with playing my Benny series from this past summer, mm-hmm. I've like slowed down. I've made my like time horizon increase 10x. And I'm like, dang, I like am in a position right now where I want to create out of, uh, out of love and like gift my audience something. Because I feel like in the past, I was trying to almost exploit my audience to receive views, receive money, mm-hmm. receive attention, validation. And I feel like I tried to like, I've tried to in the past year, turn that around to where I'm only giving to them and I don't have any expectations of like what I'll receive. And obviously I do that with like a certain direction. So I, I'm going to make conceptual videos because that does well on YouTube. I'm going to make sure that they make sense from a storytelling, storytelling mm-hmm. perspective. And I'm super passionate about thumbnails. So I'm going to do what works on the platform, but in the same, at the same time, I'm going to try to like make sure that it's not just exploitative and not just something where I only benefit and therefore like that's such a stressful way to create. Yeah. Like my validation is based on if this is, if this does well, like I'm pre-validating the video. Like I, I know it's valuable and worthwhile and that's why I want to give it to the audience. And so for the past year, I've been going under that uh, sort of mindset and it's, freed me so much and the channel is growing more than ever which is so ironic but Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's been wild for sure it's the complete opposite of what i hear a lot of creators say yeah they're so fixated in a video by video how it's performing like Mm -hmm. what what is the next video going to be i'm running out of ideas (laughs) like yeah if it feels like the uh, at least the creators that i talk to the stress level has never been higher i think for them um, because they're so worried about their channel falling off or the algorithm changing. Like mm-hmm. they're so worried and they're worried about variables that are so out of their control. Right. Yeah. Uh, which which I learned pretty early on in my life is you have to control the controllables. Yes. And if something's out of your control and you're worrying about it, then you're just spinning your tires because there's literally nothing you can do. Exactly. Um, it's yeah. like an algorithm change on YouTube. Right. So it's it's crazy that like you're you don't have that mindset at all, which is mm-hmm. very unique as a creator. Yeah. And so I hope a lot of creators watching this can can understand maybe how they can shift their mindset. Right. So they're not acting from such like an area of stress. Yeah. Um, when they're definitely. when they're operating their channel. Yeah, because I I think uh, the videos that I've made that are the best are purely out of like. Like the metaverse video is my favorite mm-hmm. video I've ever made. Love making that. Yeah, and we were talking about that before. How, <laughs> yeah. how fun that was for you. Yeah, it was so much fun. And like I did it because I was so passionate. Like I, I saw something, I saw an opportunity to do something that I thought was exciting. And I saw an opportunity to make something that felt like more than just like a YouTube video that I wanted to get views. Mm-hmm. And I did it and it happened to get views. But I think it's because the audience can appreciate when something is is made out of love and it's made out of more than just algorithmically optimized content farm type of channel, you know? Um, And so, like, moving forward, I've also learned the long-term approach because when I post a Metaverse video, I I look at my channel and I'll look at the last 28 days, and these videos I uploaded a year or two ago are also getting tons of views. And I realized, like, you upload a video 
And the viewership lifespan is forever. <laughs> like, as long as I keep putting out great videos, even a flop is going to do well long term. Mm -hmm. And so it, there's just so much freedom in taking that pressure of being immediately successful right now and number one in the world right now and realizing, like, you're on your own path, you're on your own journey, and you have time to, mm -hmm. you know, like, execute the vision that you want. So. The, the one thing to me that stands out about your channel when people ask me about it is your, your storytelling has gotten so good. Thank you. What like what are you doing pre in the pre-production process so you're helping yourself like develop a storyline? Because I think the the metaverse video is a good example of like yeah. you told an amazing story throughout that whole video. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and like the world's quietest room. And like I can think of so many examples where the concept and the thumbnail and title are very clickable, mm -hmm. but yet you built an amazing story throughout the video to get people engaged. And that's why you talk about like your your content's so evergreen. Mm -hmm. Like those two videos, for example, yeah. will probably be watched for decades. So crazy. And so it's like, what does your pre-production process look like in terms yeah. of your storytelling? I honestly, I, I want to do this for a long time. And I realized that, like I was just talking about, the times where I don't see myself able to continue doing this are when I'm creating for an outcome and I'm creating for some sort of affirmation or revenue or whatever. So I'm like I said, I'm trying to turn that around. And this year I was literally about to have a meeting with my team. So my team is two friends, mm -hmm. Zach Preston, which is crazy. So fun. Like yeah. we have so much fun. We're so passionate about making these videos. And um, basically like I was trying to have you know, a meeting with these guys to start off the year. I was like, what is like our purpose? Like, what are we going to like? Wh why are we doing this? this year. And it was crazy because I was in a church service the day before our meeting and they put up this thing that they've never done before. And it was basically talking about the three types of work. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't like real, like spiritual or religious at all. It was very functional. And it was like three types of work are exploitative, ethical, and redemptive. Exploitative, the row was like every YouTuber, every like <laughs> CEO, <laughs> businessman you can imagine. It's like, uh, why you do it, you do it for rewards. Mm -hmm. uh, how you do it, you exploit people. And the what you do is essentially just like, you know, it's, it's all for profit. And, you know, that's, it's not necessarily bad. It's just the way that business works most of the time. And then the ethical row is what I would say, like a lot of people I look up to do. It's like, um, essentially, you create for success, you know, it's not as like immediate, like I need a reward. It's more so like longevity based. Um, and you do so by essentially like lifting others up and you do it for good reasons. Well, mm -hmm. redemptive, <laughs> when I saw this row of redemption, I was like, whoa, this is mind blowing. Like, this is it. This is gonna be our motto. And essentially the why is you create for restoration. So instead of toiling for rewards, you create for restoration. And essentially like the, you're blessing people and also, this, the success is going to be the same in all three. It's all about your heart posture, like why you're doing this. And so in terms of, like that was our motto. Like we essentially had this meeting and we're like, redemptive work. <laughs> That's our motto this year. Because if we're blessing our viewers, we're like creating for restoration when they watch the video, we're not going to put out something that sucks. Like we're going to do something that they watch, they're energized by, they're inspired by, and they're like, that was free. <laughs> that was crazy. Um, and so with this metaverse video, we were like, how can we make something that does this? This is going to be the one that we start the year off with. And that meant like figuring out pre-production process. What is the metaverse? Like, why would we make this video? And for us, the metaverse is pretty scary. It's like, 
oh, we're going to be detaching ourselves from reality. We're going to be completely isolating ourselves from the people we love. And it's, uh, it's going to be all led by Facebook, <laughs> which is, seems cool. I mean, there's lots of different metaverses out there. Yeah, like yeah. some are decentralized, which is cool. Um, but yeah, I wanted to have this underlying message that was like, oh, there's a cost to this. Like being in the metaverse primarily in life is going to uh, disassociate ourselves from our relationships that matter. And so I knew I wanted this letterboard to be in the video to represent like, oh, time is passing by rather than just like an on-screen element. And I wanted to meet someone in the metaverse that I eventually met in real life. So I knew that. Mm -hmm. And we also um, wanted the room to deteriorate over time. So we knew that we wanted like a plant dying in the background. We knew that we wanted the, the room to just... Like basically, as my reality was deteriorating, my metaverse life was increasing. That was like the, the relationship we wanted to portray. And then like essentially... The video just unfolded. We met this guy named Clay. He ended up being the coolest guy. We, I was in the metaverse for a few hours before that. We ended up cutting all that so we can get straight to Clay. But met Clay. He was just like the nicest guy ever. And he like takes me through the metaverse. And then that relationship became super real. And he ended up leaving. And I was sad. Like I literally felt so lonely in there without any. Like you've have you been in VR chat? Yeah, it's yeah, scary. Yeah. It's a weird place. Yeah, <laughs> to everyone be. needs to experience VR chat. It you do because there's no rules. You you can mm -hmm. just do whatever you want. There's no face that represents you. Um, but yeah, we did that, and then this beautiful story unfolded. And a lot of it is like being able to to weave things in in terms of the narrative uh, to make it come to fruition. But the video is perfect. Like I I'm so happy with it and. We watched Ready Player One beforehand, like, took notes. Mm. I wanted to get Jump by Van Halen for the intro. Like, yeah. it's, like, in Ready, Ready Player One. It's the first song that plays, and I wanted that, but it costs too much money, and they're slow. But, yeah, I wanted the, I wanted the video to have these elements of symbolism mm -hmm. and messaging that is deeper than just a YouTube video. And also, you know, using foreshadowing and all these, like, th techniques that you would see in movies. And one of my friends asked me, like, how did you learn how to storytell and stuff? I don't read like any books or anything. I think I just get super passionate about a project and we spend time thinking how we can make it special. And mm -hmm. I think a lot of times when you're on this like grind of frequency and desperately flailing on the platform, you don't really have time to think with, with passion. And I think that that's something that is, is like definitely going away. But I, I hope that people can see that like if you have a long-term time horizon, you can still create with passion and make things that the algorithm likes as well. So yeah. What are your like, what are your biggest pain points right now as a creator? Oh, man, I would say my biggest pain points are that internal fight of like, every video now, like we just we just had we went to a coffee shop. And we we're like thinking for literally three hours on this next video we have on the docket. We're like, all right, we're gonna do this video. We sat there for three hours asking ourselves, why are we making this? And I think in the past, I would have just like came up with some BS narrative that I wasn't really passionate about. I would have like, we would have just filmed it, edited it for retention, posted it. And it would probably would have done fine. But now we're really fighting to like figure out like, is this that video valuable? Because I want, I want to determine its value before I post it. So I can like give a gift to the audience and not be worried if it flops because I know its value. And I haven't had a flop since having this mindset. And so I think it's because the audience receives it so well. Um, but the biggest pain point is literally <laughs> being honest with ourselves of does this video idea suck? And does it suck because we don't care about it? 
Like, I just want to care about everything that I do. Mm-hmm. And that's why I don't do some things like TikTok or I barely post on Instagram now. I which know, I'm sad about that. I know. I know it's like not optimized holistically, but it's because I can't post something if I don't feel like I care about it, mm-hmm. you know? And I just believe that long term that will work. And so far it is at the cost of, you know, potentially some revenue, potentially some growth on other platforms. But it's just what gives me the peace to continue creating long term. So now with shorts, like my biggest worry, and I think both of our worries was like inactivity, like we're just going to abandon the viewer, which I think sucks for the viewer too. But with shorts, it's like you're able to essentially like very consistently say, hey guys, how's it going? Like, here's a funny piece of content I can make for you today. And it's not like super high pressure. And it's a way to interact with them in between these big uploads. So was was the plan always to put shorts on the main channel or were you contemplating doing a second channel? Yeah, I never contemplated doing a second channel for shorts because I just don't see the value of like making a second channel that grows and then the main channel like there's separate audiences, I mm-hmm. think. I love the idea of like the main channel having like one identity. Like I really I don't want to be this empire or corporation that essentially has like content farms everywhere, generating revenue. I want to build something which is just me at the end of the day, like on my channel. And part of that is like, okay, with shorts, am I making these shorts for the audience in a way that is just to get subscribers or is it a way that actually serves the audience? And I was kind of fighting with that for a while. I was like kind of doing the most optimal version of shorts with like text on screen and like music and not really addressing the audience. And now I'm kind of exploring like more of like, what would I create if I was just making a short form video for my viewers that feels like my long form videos, but just like super condensed. And so now I do that and it does really well. And I'm not too worried about how they do subscriber wise. I just want to like, they do get subscribers, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, like the shorts, it's just, the, it's just a way to address the audience in between these uploads. And so the idea of doing second channel just feels pointless for me personally. Yeah. I think ultimately YouTube's going to figure out a way to incentivize creators, at least large creators, to put shorts on their main channel. Yeah. YouTube doesn't want creators separating right. their channels either. Mm-hmm. And so I think for you, it's been, a, it's been probably an interesting growth hack. What do you think, I, I kind of had this theory that eventually when you open the YouTube app that it's just going to look like TikTok and it's going to be just shorts. Scary. And people are like, <laughs> I feel like that's coming. Like, does that worry you as like a yeah. filmmaker or a, like a storyteller that likes to make long form videos? Yeah. Like, does it worry you that YouTube is really like pushing this like short form 10 second video? Kind of does. Kind of does, Reed. Yeah. I don't know if it worries me as much as it, uh, like, makes me sad. <laughs> because I just feel like there's something so special about YouTube. I grew up on it, and mm. it's always been homepage, click on what you want to watch. But at the same time, I understand from their perspective, like, TikTok is literally, don't decide what you want to watch. We'll, we'll decide for you, and then you can swipe if you don't like it. Mm-hmm. So you're always watching something on TikTok, whereas on YouTube... I do kind of feel bored. Like, I'll go on the homepage and I'm like, meh, not really. I don't have an appetite for much of this stuff. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I could even see long form essentially having a scroll as well, which is pretty scary. But we're already optimizing the intros. I just love packaging. Like, I love titles and thumbnails. It's like a weird passion. It's like my favorite thing about creating. Mm -hmm. And so the idea that that would be obsolete is sad. But there's always a way to, to be innovative and creative. Yeah. And I love challenges too. So I also think the subscribe or sub page or is going to go away. Subscriptions? I, I don't know yeah. if they're going to get rid of the subscription number 
Like uh, yeah. so you have six point was six point six now. Yeah. I don't think they're going to get rid of that in any time. Like I do think when you go on the mobile app, there still is a, subs- a subscription like button. Uh-huh. I think that will eventually go because YouTube's gotten so well at curating a person's homepage right. for what they want to watch that I never click on that sub button. Yeah. So I'd imagine the only two areas that people go now on the YouTube app are like homepage shorts. Yeah. That's like literally. I don't think they go to trending right. anymore, which is yeah. sad because like they, I used they to made check. it hard. I know, it's really hard to find it on mobile. I used to check trending every single day. Mm -hmm. Now I find myself never on the trending page, and it doesn't have the lift that it used to have. When you were number one trending three years ago, you would get a massive subscriber hit. Mm -hmm. It just, like, no longer exists. Right, it's just like a cute little badge now you get trending. (laughs) YouTube is going through a lot of changes, and Mm -hmm. a lot of creators will adapt, but the shorts thing is the one that probably, if I was a storyteller would be the one that scares me the most yeah for sure. Uh, also because like it doesn't they don't monetize at all right so it's like you go from like just producing long-form videos and having mid-rolls and making tons of money to like being a shorts creator yeah i think the shorts creators are like capped at 10k a month right right so i, I don't know i mean i'm we'll see yeah. Where, where's youtube gonna be in three years i have no idea all mm-hmm. i know is like i'm i would bet on youtube over any other platform i currently. agree yeah, I, yeah I, know, I know you agree. You don't post on TikTok. Or I don't Instagram. post anywhere else. <laughs> yeah, I'm a huge YouTube fanboy. Yeah, so I feel like it's such a the algorithm's really smart, and I think as long as you're adapting and innovating, there's always going to be a way to do well on the on the platform. And the people on the platform are growing every day. The like, dude, like I look at Jimmy, and I was talking to maybe Eric about this, Eric, the YouTuber, um, and we were talking about how just based on our real time views. Per day like we'll both have videos that have 40 or 50 million views by the end of the year just on real time per day average and we're like what that doesn't make any sense but then you'll look at people like jimmy and his, the ceiling is being defined every day yep. you go to his most popular uploads 200 million 180 million like the list goes on and the ceiling is being redefined because of the amount of people that are on the platform and re-watching videos and finding videos for the first time so yeah. YouTube's crazy. I think the really interesting thing for a lot of creators is like this international dubbing that Jimmy mm. is doing now. Yeah. Because I think eventually, I, I hope where this kind of goes is like all the dubs live on one channel and yeah. you can just toggle through each one. That would be cool. And then I think the ceiling for what a video can get is like 500, 600, <laughs> like million That's views. So weird. Because you have every country like logging into the same yeah. main channel. That's smart. Uh, I, I think like it, to me, that's exciting to think about because even for you, like if you eventually dub your videos in mm-hmm. different languages and they're all toggled on your main channel, yeah. like your sub growth, your view growth, like everything is going to go through the that roof. That is genius, Reed. Uh, that is so, so smart. So we'll see if that's like where this is headed. I hope. That'd be so cool. What uh, what else are you excited about for this year? Man, this year, I, I just seriously get so excited about every video for the reason I said earlier, just like trying to make all of them as special as it could be, and, like, I just get passionate about building the catalog. Mm-hmm. Like, every thumbnail, I think, is going to be beautiful. We have, like, almost, this is the most ahead I've ever been in terms of our list of ideas and the thumbnails for the ideas. Like, last year, I was very much like, oh, gosh, what are we going to do next? And this year, it's like, oh, okay, that, we're approaching that idea. I'm starting to get passionate about that concept. And uh, I'm just excited to keep going and try to make every video special. And it's just crazy how much, like, growth is happening I feel like super lucky and i don't understand a lot of the months we've been having but um just excited to keep building and like 
gifting the audience something that I think is special. So. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to watch, man. I've enjoyed watching your career thus far. Mm-hmm. I know we've been talking about doing this podcast for a while, so I'm glad we finally got it done. We're both in Austin. Yeah. Finally got this film. So thanks for coming on. Thanks. I appreciate it. Likewise. It was so. fun.